character down. Repeat, we have a character down. Dispatching CIS. CIS, the Character Investigation Service. A modern take on the classic character study. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the CIS Character Autopsy Laboratory. I'm Eric Thomas. Case number 10-30-2015. Case title, Burnt. Character, Adam Jones. Today's case is a special case because the story of Adam Jones is a story that most people can relate to. Imagine gaining all that is wanted out of life before maturing enough to be able to hang on to it then losing it all. How devastating. And even more so, that one's internal demons and vices cause the destruction of all that had been achieved. Now, one must begin the journey of trying to rebuild everything that was destroyed and mend the various human relationships that were soured along the way. Welcome to the story of Adam Jones. Adam Jones came from a broken, perhaps abusive upbringing Information on his early life isn't readily available. Obviously, this kind of environment isn't good for positive development due to Jones's lack of control over every aspect of his early life. It can also be said that his rough upbringing would lead him to become the untrusting, controlling perfectionist that he becomes as an adult. As a teenager, Jones worked at various food markets. Employment at these markets could have served two purposes. One, Jones could completely immerse himself in work and for the most part never go home due to the extensive labor requirements of the business. Two, Jones likely discovered his love for the culinary world. Given the environment he grew up in, it comes to no surprise that Jones purchased a one-way ticket to Paris to pursue his culinary dream. It seems perfectly logical. Jones is running away, or perhaps is being blown away because he has not been given the anchor of a proper upbringing. Once in Paris, Jones lies his way into the kitchen of a prestigious chef named Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc would become a father figure of sorts to Jones. One could argue that Jean-Luc was the only anchor point in the early life of Adam Jones. The nature of the culinary world would lead to success, then failure for Adam Jones. In his time at Jean-Luc's, Jones would discover his culinary gifts and ascend the chef hierarchy. Jones would finally achieve the incredible status of two-star Michelin chef. Adversely, the punishing nature of the kitchen would begin to take its toll. The fierce intensity, the 20-hour workday, six days a week would eventually lead Jones to substance abuse, alcoholism, and various other vices. As Jones would later say, I gained it all so quickly and didn't know how to hang on to it. Adam Jones would self-destruct, leaving behind a trail of human wreckage, including his friend and fellow chef Michelle and Jean-Luc's daughter, Anne-Marie. Fast forward a couple years, Jones is in New Orleans in what he calls self-imposed exile and has sentenced himself to hard labor, shucking one million oysters. Jones claims that this is his penance for all the damage he has caused. I find this to be quite a tragic moment. One could make the case that the self-destruction of Adam Jones isn't his fault. In a way, it was inevitable. 
Given his unfortunate upbringing, Jones was born into an environment that would not empower him to become a successful individual, and then he is forced to suffer the consequences of attaining success in his career field but not having the proper training and confidence instilled in him to hang on to it. After serving his time in New Orleans, Adam Jones sets off to London to begin his pursuit of a third Michelin star. This decision is incredible. Even after all he's been through, Jones is starting over and trying again. How many of us could do that? To suffer such overwhelming loss and get back and go at it again. This is truly incredible. But this would prove quite difficult for Jones. Once in London, Adam Jones learns of Jean-Luc's death while Jones was in New Orleans. This can be seen as a galvanizing point in Jones's pursuit of his third Michelin star. Now more than ever before, he will do what it takes to make his mentor and father figure proud of him. Unfortunately, Jones is shackled by his self-guided, controlling, perfectionist nature. What Jones does next is truly astounding and could justify the logic that the ends justify the means. One of Jones's former acquaintances named Tony owns an ailing restaurant in London. Perfect target for Jones. Jones approaches Tony with the proposition. Jones is going after his third star and he's going to take over Tony's restaurant in order to do it. Tony promptly dismisses Jones. One can't blame Tony for his decisions. Jones, after all, self-destructed and took down everyone with him. Naturally, this doesn't detour Jones in the slightest. Jones ambushes Tony's restaurant by returning with a prominent newspaper restaurant critic. Jones presents Tony with the ultimatum. Let me cook for the critic or your restaurant is fucked. Well, that's one way to get what you want. Tony reluctantly avoids a crisis by letting Jones cook for the critic. Adding insult to injury, Jones again presents his proposition to Tony. On a side note, one has to really feel bad for Tony at this point. Tony was known as one of the greatest maitre d's in France. Now he's the owner of a less than stellar restaurant and being held hostage by Adam Jones, the man responsible for his current predicament. Astonishingly, Tony agrees to turn over his restaurant to Jones, but under one condition. Jones must have weekly therapy sessions, including drug testing. Reasonable enough. Jones agrees, and thus begins Adam Jones' journey for redemption. One has to pause for a moment and consider Tony's actions toward Adam Jones. At this moment, all Tony knows is this man ruined everything for him. And to make things worse, Tony learns that a drug dealer from Paris has found Jones in London. Jones owes this dealer a lot of money. Tony tries to give Jones a loan for his debt, but Jones doesn't accept. So this whole financial investment could go up in flames if this drug dealer decides to kill Jones. All of this is stacking up to be quite a financial risk for Tony. However, if Jones is successful and doesn't repeat history, this investment could be quite rewarding. Now comes a particularly fascinating point in the arc of Adam Jones. Jones goes to the restaurant of his former friend and now arch nemesis, Reese. Jones and Reese exchange some verbal punches and re-establish a strained mutual respect. 
Reese advises Jones that if he has any humanity left, leave Tony and everyone else alone. Naturally, Jones dismisses the advice. I find this moment beautiful. It's fascinating how mutual hate and respect can coexist in the same space. And so it begins. Adam Jones's restaurant is in the process of renovation and Jones is actively micromanaging every aspect of the business. Those in his employ start to feel the pressure of Jones's three-star pursuit. All the while, Jones is receiving therapy from his counselor. She insists that he not be a one-man army and try to accomplish his personal success on his own. There is strength in unity and greater possibility of success when great talents are bundled together. Jones continuously refuses to give up his sole control. The therapist asks, what will happen if Jones fails? Jones describes Armageddon. And if Jones succeeds, immortality. Opening night is a disaster for Adam Jones. Naturally, Jones takes out his frustration on his staff. His staff leaves, and Jones is left alone in his kitchen. At this point, Jones is forced to trust Tony and his chefs slightly. They bring in some new culinary tech to bring the kitchen up to modern culinary techniques. Jones and his most trusted chef, Helene, begin to work together, working all hours of the day. This is the first point where Tony actually puts his foot down with Jones. It's surprising it took this long. It seems that Jones had to have a minor failure for Tony to finally step in and make the necessary changes to the restaurant. Opening night, take two. The new kitchen equipment paired with the new menu are a great success and Jones and crew can refocus on their third Michelin star pursuit. Jones makes it crystal clear to his crew, perfection is not just his expectation, it is now the standard. Part of the daily ritual in this restaurant is family dinner. Jones doesn't join in family dinner, he chooses to remain in his office. This is fascinating. It seems that Joan is terrified of good times. It is said peace brings weakness. Perhaps at this point, Jones felt that if he let his guard down too much, his Michelin star would slip away. Jones is holding on so tightly right now, not as much as he was at the opening of his restaurant, but he is nonetheless in constant control of everything and himself. It would seem that one good thing did come out of his restaurant's opening failure, and that is Jones must let his people breathe enough to let their talents flourish. One has to ask, where is the gray area between too much control and too little control? Finally, the moment of truth has arrived. The Michelin inspectors have arrived at Jones's restaurant. This is it, perfection or failure. This is the decisive moment. To make things worse, Jones just got the crap kicked out of him by the drug dealers, but this doesn't deter him. Jones mans the past, covered in cuts and bruises. Jones reverts back to his former ways and tightens a stranglehold on his kitchen staff. Jones is screaming and micromanaging every aspect of every dish. Jones rigorously inspects everything. Well, almost everything. 
In this small measure of time, Jones has managed a small degree of trust in his fellow chefs, trust that in this very important moment will be betrayed. Michelle brings a dish component to the pass for Jones. Jones asks if it is perfect. Michelle says yes. Jones sends out everything. All the dishes are returned. Jones has failed his Michelin inspection. There is a gloomy silence in the kitchen as Michelle leaves, having said that this is retribution for Jones's actions in Paris. Jones laughs in dismay and quietly leaves his restaurant, leaving his crew to silently contemplate what is to happen next. In despair and shock of what has happened, Jones finds his way to the kitchen of his archenemy, Reese. Jones has a complete meltdown. Reese dismisses his crew and tends to Jones. Jones breaks down crying in the arms of Reese. What follows could possibly be described as the most beautiful human moment in this film. Jones awakens on the floor of the kitchen. Reese is cooking breakfast. Jones asks Reese if this is hell. Reese says, I suppose so. Being at the mercy of your enemy is a form of hell. Jones tells Reese that Michelin showed up and that Jones fucked it up. As a matter of fact, he fucked it up long ago. Reese tells Jones, you're better than me. Then basically tells Jones to get back up and do what most are afraid to do. Lead the way so others can follow. Now get out. I love this moment so much. Two rivals who hate each other have the ability to drop their guard and help each other. It's like right now, we're not rivals. We're humans. Even after all that has happened, we can still reach down and pick each other up. It's a wonderful example of hatred and respect working together for the common good. This little pep talk from Reese gives Jones the courage to return to his kitchen and try again. Later, we find Jones sitting at the doorstep at the home of his therapist. When she arrives, Jones explains his failure. She laughs it off and says, and yet, you're still alive. She invites Jones in for the group therapy session. Surprisingly, Jones agrees and walks inside. A little later, Anne-Marie shows up with Jean-Luc's knives, as well as news that she had paid off Jones's debt. I have to pause here for a minute. Jones's success up to this point has been placed on his past talent as a chef, despite his various vices. For some reason, the people in Jones's circle place their faith in him. What causes people to stick around this man? Is talent enough? Helene and Tony would go on to tell Adam that the Michelin inspectors that were at the restaurant were, in fact, just software salesmen who just happened to follow the Michelin routine. Oh, such happy news to the ears of Adam Jones and crew. Finally, we as the audience get to see the arc of Adam Jones. Jones finally takes the advice of his therapist and pretty much all the people around him and relaxes. Jones begins to trust the reputation of his kitchen to those in his employ. Naturally, the restaurant flourishes and talents begin to bloom. 
How many times must we fail in our pursuit of what we want to accomplish in life before we realize that we need others of similar and sometimes superior talents to finally grasp our dreams? Yes, one does risk being let down or betrayed by those entrusted to come along the journey. Yes, failure is an ever-present possibility. Yes, fear will be a constant companion along the journey, but just maybe, maybe, success will be at the end of the journey. In conclusion, the Michelin inspectors finally do arrive at Adam Jones's restaurants. The film ends with Adam Jones joining his restaurant crew for family dinner. If we could all learn that we need each other to accomplish what we want out of our lives, if we could all learn that we need each other to accomplish what we want out of our own lives, if we could all learn to trust each other and to treat each other with basic human courtesy and respect, perhaps this world could be a much better one, full of creative potential and fulfillment. This concludes Case Study 10-30-2015. Thank you for listening to CIS, the Character Investigation Service, and I hope you'll join us again. Good night.